Hey there, Courageous Leader. Looking for a place to connect, share, and collaborate with other ambitious, impact-driven powerhouses? Well, look no further. Join me and dozens of other bold, action-oriented women in leadership in the Leaders Lounge. The Leaders Lounge is a no-cost monthly meetup for listeners of the show and my broader She Leads community so that we can come together and uncover opportunities to collaborate with each other and magnify our impact. We meet monthly on the fourth Wednesday of every month. Details to save your spot for the next no-cost meetup is in the show notes below, or you can head over to sabinegideon.com forward slash lounge to register. Again, that's sabinegideon.com forward slash lounge to register and save your spot. I'll see you in the lounge. Thank you for joining me on another episode of She Leads Now podcast, where we help career and entrepreneurial women gain the tools to develop a success mindset, create winning strategies, build collaborative relationships, and take bold action towards creating impact and fulfillment in their lives and careers. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I'm on a mission to awaken and activate women and emerging leaders so they can tap into their innate leadership ability elevate their influence, and create the impact they were destined to make. If you're ready to up-level your confidence, courage, and influence, you've come to the right place. Join me weekly for insights, strategies, and resources to help you grow, develop, and embody the leader you were meant to be so that you can make the impact you know you are called to make and establish the legacy you've always dreamed. The world eagerly awaits the emergence of your brilliance, impact, and influence. So with that, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of She Leads Now. Joining me today is Taylor Shanklin. Taylor is a TEDx speaker. She's a podcast host and a marketing innovator. She has also been on the other side of the the field, if you will, and has been a leader in nonprofit industries for several years. Today, we're going to be talking about how Taylor has made that transition, but most importantly, we want to discuss how to live and work happier. Welcome to the show, Taylor. I am so excited to have you here. Hey, Sabine. Good to be here. Awesome. I'd love for you to share real quick, a kind of high level, your journey to this place, because as I mentioned before, you had climbed the ranks in the nonprofit space, and now you're climbing the ranks in the entrepreneurial space. So give us a little bit uh, more about your journey. Sure. Well, I think it started out after I graduated from college. I was first chasing a career in the music industry. And I I went for a little while with feeling like, okay, I need to get a real job and I can't have my parents help me pay my bills the rest of my life. And so that actually catapulted me into going back to school, getting a master's degree in mass communication and going into the field of new media, which at the time was new. And it was really digital marketing, but we called it new media at the time that was back in about 2004, 2005. And that took me into, it kind of had me fall into the nonprofit technology space. One of my professors introduced me to, I would say, a cutting edge technology company at the time back then that was growing and creating a lot of digital marketing opportunities specific to nonprofits. So I really cut my teeth there. I quickly decided that 
I like to learn a lot of things and do a lot of things. And I, I kind of like being a Swiss army knife in, in the world of digital marketing. And so I, I kind of realized during that time early on in my career that if I use this opportunity that I had at that company that I first started out with to grow there for quite a while and to do a lot of different roles, that would prepare me to be able to continue to move up in terms of leadership and strategic consulting. And so I did a lot of things. I, I, I literally started out Sabine as a, as a web developer. Like I used to work with clients and help them build their websites and their email marketing newsletters when a lot of this was brand new for nonprofits and even still semi-new for for-profits. So I kind of did project management, consulting, product marketing, and then really found my niche in corporate and brand marketing. So I left, I, I stayed at that first company and job for about nine years and then I decided to go into startup mode and went to work for a startup and went to work for another small company and then some larger agencies after that before deciding to actually branch out on my own in 2020, 2021, the year that everybody else seemed to want to branch out on their own as well. I knew that entrepreneurship was something that I wanted to do. But I also recognized along that journey of about 14 years before I started my own company that I needed to learn a lot more from other people first. I needed to learn a lot from other different types of environments first. And a lot of the learning that took place in that whole 14-year journey of just starting with, wow, I just need a job and I need my to not have to ask my mom for money anymore, all the way up to the VP of sales and marketing. And I've seen a lot in different size companies and different size organizations. And now I finally feel ready to do it on my own. So it, it is a journey. I think there's oftentimes this perception of these young entrepreneurs that just have it all together and they're like 20 years old and they have these billion dollar companies that they're selling in Silicon Valley. And that is rare for most people. And it's great for them. But for mm -hmm. most people, it is a thousand baby steps. And I personally find the journey of it interesting and exciting. I learned so much through failure you know, by sometimes not reading the room properly in an executive meeting and sometimes being a little bit too brash. And then my boss telling me, like, you need to read the room a little better, you know, and you learn from those things and grow. And then you finally get to a point where you never feel fully ready. But at some point you say, I'm ready enough to take the risk and take the leap and if I fall flat on my face, I'll just go work for someone else again. <laughs> yes, that is exactly the the journey and and mindset uh, that you go that you go through doing this. And so it's very interesting because I believe you and I met in 2020, and that was like mm -hmm. right when you were transitioning out. And it never even dawned on me that you were like a pioneer <laughs> in this great resignation that they've now coined and they've termed. 
I know. I so, didn't know it was going to get a buzzword. I was just I, doing it. <laughs> now it's it's a whole bunch of things, right? Like the great mm-hmm. activation and, and so on and so forth. But I'm curious, you know, because uh, obviously we know that there's not just like one day that we wake up and we're kind of like, ah, I'm over this. I'm going to like leap into entrepreneurship. What was it for you, you know, during that that period of time that served as the catalyst to say, you know what? I want to test the waters and do something differently and leverage all of the skills that I've learned throughout all these years and all these mistakes and all these mishaps. Really good question. There was a pivotal moment and there were a couple of things that made me say, Taylor, you can try this now. One is I have had some personal health challenges in this time. A few years ago, I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder and I've been going through this, what I'll call like health challenge journey. And that has been, in many ways, it's a negative force in my life because it's something that I have to deal with on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. But in many ways, it's been a positive force in my life because it has made me say, seize the day a lot more often. It's made me realize that life is short. And if you want to do big stuff, do it now because you just never know. And I think going through these types of big health challenges, you know, oftentimes people who go through them, it kind of resets you and it resets your thinking and it makes you realize, wow, I'm not invincible. So if I want to do something, I really should do it now. So that was a big thing. And that was something that I spoke about in my, in my TEDx talk. And that was the second thing I went and I did that TEDx and I'd been working towards that TEDx for a while. I had been doing a lot of free schlepping it, public speaking, as I'll call, you know, where I'm just like pitching to conferences left and right. Yeah, I'll speak about this and just doing a lot of free speaking and a lot of free webinars and things like that to, again, take the thousand baby steps to get good at public speaking. And after doing that, it was a moment where it was like, well, I guess if I've done this, Maybe I'm ready, you know? And my husband said, after that, I came home after doing that talk. And he was like, you just did a TED talk. You're ready. (laughs) And I was like, are you sure? You know, like, it's still scary. The family needs money, you know? Like, so you feel like you have these sure things in your life when you've got a W-2 job. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, you're ready. And I then started processing that and thinking, yeah, I think you're right. I am. If I, if I could get there, I can probably at least try this, this thing. Yeah. And that, that's amazing. And it's funny because, you know, we as women, right, we, we will conquer the world and still be like, oh, but there's a spot right there that I missed. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I didn't get that. So I'm not ready. And so it's amazing or it's wonderful that you had your husband there to serve as your mirror to say, ma'am, like, look at what you've done. You absolutely are. And you've said this a couple of times. And I think that that's the true thing, too. Right. That, 
you know, no matter what we step into, that there's always a plan B or there's something else that we can pivot into. That the the leap, if you will, as scary as it is, sometimes it's better that we don't have a plan B, but mm-hmm. knowing that plan B exists makes it a little easier. From my understanding, you had climbed the ranks in the nonprofit space. Now, as you think mm-hmm. about, you know, from a leadership perspective and the things that you learned throughout that process and maybe that you still carry through with you today, what are some of those key leadership attributes or or characteristics or traits that you feel that you naturally have possessed or that you amassed along the way that allowed you to be successful there in that space and as well as into entrepreneurship? I love this one. I I think there's three things and I'll helpfully remember them. The first one... (laughs) is listening, the ability to slow down and listen to others and people on your team and to take feedback is crucial. Whether that's listening to people internally within your team or your company or your organization, or that's listening to clients, having good listening skills, Sometimes I say being able to shut your own trap and listen is really important. And that takes us into the next two that I'm going to say. The second one is humility. And again, you've got to have humility to be able to listen to others and embrace other mindsets and other perspectives. The third is relationship building. Again, like all of these kind of build on each other, being able to listen to others, hear them, you know, have the humility to sometimes say, I'm, this is not what I'm best at. This is what they are best at. So I'm going to listen to their advice that will help you build trust and build relationships. And then I would just say, like, all of it is for me, at least Learning how to do those things better, I think, has made me a better colleague, a better leader. I think it has made me successful in starting my own company and being able to start to grow quickly. I focused very early on in my career on relationship building, getting out, meeting people, networking, you know, hearing what that they have to say, keeping my ear to the ground, sharing my experiences. I think all of those things and all of that time put into relationship building is huge if you want to start your own business. If you don't put the time into that, I don't think that you're going to be near as successful. You know, I, I really think that focusing on growing yourself by getting to know other people and learning from them and helping other people grow by sharing your expertise with them is just so important. And it's not the sort of thing that they teach you in school. And it's not the sort of thing that feels natural to everyone. Some people are more introverted, more shy. I used to be an extremely shy person. As a kid, I was so shy. 
And at some point, I kind of had to just get over it. And I, I don't know what happened, honestly. But it's like one day, something just kind of clicked. And I started feeling comfortable talking to strangers. And I started feeling comfortable being the one to first reach out and say, hey, let's have a conversation. So that's a little bit of rambling. But I think those three things, just to bring it back, the ability to listen, the ability to have humility, and the ability to build relationships are three things that I think are just critical to success in entrepreneurship and, and growing in the corporate ladder as well. Yeah, all three of them apply, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur or in corporate or in nonprofit space. I mean, to your point, listening, humility and building relationships. That's just being a human, a good human yeah, exactly. to other people. Yeah. And I speak a lot about, you know, the building relationship piece and how important that is. And you you made a very good point that building relationships is not just about you or, you know, the other person or what you can get, but it's really a way for you to grow and for you to develop when you can expose yourself to different ways of thinking, different thoughts, um, different ways of doing things. So I love that those are your three. So now as you think back into your career, right, I have an inkling of what the response to this might be. But as you think back over the span of your career, what would you say is the best decision? that you have made that you look back on now and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I made that decision. Ooh, well, (laughs) there's a lot. I think I'll have to choose one and maybe it will surprise you. I, I think one of the best decisions I made in my career was the first startup that I went to work at and not even saying starting my own company. Because I don't think I could have ever started my own company if I hadn't gone into the crazy world that can be the startup world. <laughs> there, <Yep. laughs> it oftentimes it's short lived, but my perspective on startup life is that you can learn about three years worth of experience at eight or nine months of a startup. If it's real stop, if it's real early stage startup, and here's that you have to figure out how to do everything. You have to deal with a lot of crazy. You have to deal with a lot of quick decision making because everything's kind of do or die, especially if you have very little funding, right? You're, you're sometimes running on fumes. And I think that that made me grow up a lot and learn a lot. And it wasn't always pretty. And like I said, it wasn't even always, sometimes you can bounce around from startup to startup. And that's because they can be crazy. But again, I think if I had just stayed in big company, you know, quote, air quote, safe corporate America and not left and not gone to a startup, I'm not sure I would be where I am today with starting my own company. I think I learned a lot from that whole fail faster startup mentality in those few years where I was, I was at a couple of different startups and I I don't know. It just made me learn a lot, not even about what to do, 
but what not to do. Yeah. So that when I started my own startup, because now I have a startup, there's so much that I learned about dynamics with building relationships with your team and partners and clients and all of those things Mm -hmm. that I think I have avoided because I learned them earlier on. So I recommend that you go work at a startup at some point in your career. If you're looking to eventually run your own business, go learn it somewhere else first a a couple times, two, three, four times. Yeah. I, (laughs) look, I'm having uh, flashbacks as you were talking. I I know the, the environment that you're talking about and you're right. It fast tracks your learning like nobody's business. Forget going mm-hmm. for an MBA, go work at a startup. I would also, I don't yes. know that I would, I would have uh, lasted two, three or four. <laughs> Cause it's hard. Months, yeah. <laughs> 18 months to, took a lot out of me, but I do agree. You learn so much and it's almost because you get to see it from the insider view. And to your point, like you're playing multiple roles. It's fast action. It's decision-making. It's dealing with people. It's learning on the fly. And that experience is an invaluable experience. Just not something that's sustainable (laughs) long-term, at least from my perspective. But to your point, I do feel that my, that experience did prepare me and actually it gave me the confidence to say, you know what? If I can make it here, I can certainly like fumble my way through with, with my own. So I, I love that. Now, let me ask you on the flip side of that, you know, as you think back to your career, and I know some people don't like to live in regret, and this is not necessarily about a regret, but more so as you think about some of the decisions that you have made, uh, career decisions that you look back now and you're like, hmm, I could have did without that, or hmm. Perhaps that wasn't the best decision. Is there anything that sticks out for you? Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of job changes that I'm like, well, I don't know. Was that really necessary? You know, kind of bouncing around maybe a little bit too much there. I don't know if it was trying to find myself or just you can definitely get stuck in the cycle, or at least I could. The grass is always greener. Mm-hmm. And so I think there probably are a couple of moves that I made in my career where I'm like, I could have just stuck it out at that place longer and I could have still learned stuff there. And I went over to another place and thought the grass would be greener and then it was more of the same. Yeah. So I think that maybe what I've learned is trying to find your joy and your purpose from some company isn't going to do it for you. I think I have a lot of joy and purpose in what I'm doing now running my own company because I get to be really focused on the things that I do best. Mm -hmm. And I get to focus on empowering a team of people to do what they do best. And for me to step aside and say, this isn't my thing. You do it. You grow yourself in this. So I don't know. Now that I'm saying this out loud, maybe it sounds narcissistic, you know, but it's, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe some of those regrets are like, there are times where I could have said, you know what, chill out, Taylor, be happy with what you got, stay where you are, keep working and growing here in the system. 
and keep taking from it what you can right now instead of feeling like you've always got to move around and there's always something better on the other side because I don't know that there is, you know. So two things that come to that. I don't think you sound narcissistic at all. I think you're making (laughs) two very good points here in that, you know, you stated specifically that, you know, trying to find your purpose or your identity or your calling in a thing, whether that be a job or role or whatever the case may be, is probably not the healthiest because that's not whatever that is, whatever job that you're doing, whatever a company that you're employed for, they're never going to fulfill you in that space, right? So getting that clarity of like, what fuels me? What am I passionate about? What am I good at? Um, what are What is my secret sauce? Or like I, I like to call it my unique brilliance. And then now in the space that you're in, it sounds like because you are are running the show and you're running your own business, because you went through those, you know, those jumps from this place to that place, you now know clearly what your secret sauce is or what your unique brilliance is. And you can stay in that lane and bring on others who they have their own lane and you support them and you empower them and allow them to stay in their lane versus feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be all things, right? Like most startups, as we just mentioned. So I don't think it, at least for me personally, I don't think it sounds narcissistic at all. I think through your journey, right, through the, the decisions that you've made to move into uh, different a- arenas, it allowed you to, quote unquote, find yourself, right? Or find that mm-hmm. thing. And now that you have it, you can stand in that, you can own it and allow others to own whatever their thing is. I think that's I think that's brilliant and I think that that's the that's the whole purpose of the journey, right? Whether we are in corporate America and this this also applies to people who are in corporate. Sometimes when we climb up the leadership ranks, it's hard to let go of the tasks or the things that we used to do, right? And so we now burden ourselves the CEO who's also doing admin, who's also doing all this other stuff. Whereas if you just allow yourself to grow into who you are in that moment and bring in other people who can help support you and do the work, then I think that that's, that's the win-win there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And entrepreneurship is not for everyone, not at all. And that's okay. And I think, you know, you and I were talking a little bit offline before we started recording about this hustle culture where it's almost become like, if you're not an entrepreneur hustling in the hustle culture, that's not good enough. And I completely disagree. I think individuals have their own priorities in life. And I think for me, I spent time in the corporate world building the blocks to get to entrepreneurship. And I can't even say I won't go back to the corporate world at some point. I might, you know, like life's priorities might change for me at some point. So I think it's it's really about assessing your own personal goals. What do you need right now in your life, right? And maybe the next couple of years. I, I kind of hate that interview question, about where do you see yourself in five years? I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm not sure where I see myself in five minutes. Why are you asking me about five years? Like, I don't, I hope to be alive, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) I just want to answer that question that way one day. So I think it's about assessing what's going on in your life right now. What do you and and your family and your friends and those around you need right now and, and go there and 
for me at the time, I got to the point when I started my company, I needed that for myself. I needed the flexibility, quite frankly. I was feeling a little burnt out and a little strung out. And I needed to have the flexibility of calling the shots for a little while. And like I said, I might go back to corporate one day where I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of having to make all the decisions all the time. Because <laughs> that can be exhausting. I'm going to let someone yes. else do it. But right now, this is working for me. Yeah. And so a couple of, of things that I want to pull out there is around the burnout, right? And the hustle culture. And as women, right? And we were talking about this earlier. It's like this mentality of, I got to do all the things and I got to be all of the people and everyone's dependent on me. And you are a mom of two, like you have a whole business going, you got, you got things going on. So what do you do or how are you balancing all of these responsibilities and roles and expectations and still supporting yourself, right? In, in your time of, of clarity and, and peace that you need. Yeah. It is hard to balance. I I think men and women both feel different societal and personal pressures. And I think as women, we do. We feel like we've got to be the perfect mom. We now feel like we've got to have a really good career, you know, and I know some women and I have stay at home mom friends that are like, I don't want to do that. But I think there's this pressure now, like you got to also be a high performer and you got to, you got to be you know, keep yourself in check physically. You got to look good. You got to be a great, you know, partner. You've got to do all of these things. And it sometimes can feel defeating if you, you know, make yourself feel like you have to live up to a level of perfection that other people around you maybe aren't even expecting. And I've certainly felt this before where I felt like, well, I can't ever get this right, you know, <laughs> in some personal aspect, maybe or in, in, in work or something like that. And I think there's a couple of things. One is I started living by one motto in particular, and that is launched is better than perfect. I really don't try to live up to perfection anymore for myself. I try to get things to like pretty good, Sabine, you know, I'm like, I'm going to do things pretty well, (laughs) but I'm not going to do everything perfect because perfect doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I started having to remind myself that perfect doesn't exist. And then I also started, and I, I, don't always do this perfectly again because perfect doesn't exist, but I do try to take time to myself once a day, if possible, to go out on a walk, to like to physically get some movement. And I'll give you an example. So I, I live in the mountains. I like to ski my family and I like, that's our thing. We go skiing. And this morning I, I haven't been out skiing in really two to three weeks. And this morning I had a long list of stuff to do before I started having calls for my work day. And I looked at my list and I looked at myself and I thought, you really need to move right now. Like, get out there, just go do a few runs. Luckily, like, 
it's very accessible to me. The mountains literally in my backyard. So I said, I'm just going to go. I, I can't go out skiing all day and I don't even want to, but I'm going to go do three runs down the mountain and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to work and I'm going to just push things around to make that work. So I think there's times where we have to, we have to stop ourselves and say, are these other things an emergency? Because if they're not, we can probably shuffle things around to fit in this time and the space for ourselves. And we have to make those calls every day sometimes. And today I looked at my list and I was like, I have to do all of these things, but I don't have to do them right this second. Mm. So I'm going to take the time for myself this morning because I think I'll show up better throughout the rest of the day if I do. I love that. It's those in the moment periods, right? Where we're kind of like, just push through, just push through versus saying, wait a minute, what do I need right now to be at my best? I think Mm -hmm. in the last year, or at least I know in the last year that that has been my biggest learning lesson is that if I'm not at my best, it doesn't matter what I push through. I'm not showing up for my clients the way that I need to. I'm not showing up for myself the way that I need to. And so I I have a responsibility and accountability <laughs> to make sure that I'm okay or else it's it's not going it's not going to work. It it won't be reflected the way that I would want it to in the business. And so I love that you took that time for yourself. You did that self-check-in and was just like, you know what? I need, I need some outside time. I need some movement time. And now here you are probably a lot more refreshed, better mindset and headspace to allow you to be more productive. Thank you for sharing that. I, I love that. As we, as we wrap up here, just a couple more questions. We've been in large companies. We've been in small companies. Like we, we have some frame of reference of dealing with uncertainty. But someone who is like, this is their first time leading or they just launched their business and all of this is new to them. What advice would you give in terms of just kind of helping them to <laughs> sustain and re- maintain their sanity? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is an uncertain time. And... I'm going to go back to something that you said to me. Uh I'm probably going to fumble this and say it wrong. (laughs) But something about there are, you know, there are two things in life that are inevitable, right? Ah, And one one is death and one is change. And the way that I'll reframe that a little bit is we are all certain that everything is uncertain all the time, (laughs) you know, change is going to come at you when you're not expecting it. I think there's two parts to this. One, the first part is get comfortable with the fact that change will happen that is out of your control. And you have to get comfortable with just being ready to deal with things as they come, right? Just And sometimes knowing that change is going to happen at the drop of a dime sometimes when you don't like it, but you can say, I've got the mindset that's preparing me to be ready to face the change. Mm -hmm. That will allow you to, you know, work the problem, to solve the problem. The other thing I'll say is get mentors if you're early on in your leadership journey, 
one of the things that's been most helpful for me is really developing relationships with mentors who have done it before, who have been there before, who have more experience and time in the saddle than me and picking their brain and talking to them and learning from them and listening to them. And sometimes those mentors are older than me and sometimes those mentors are younger than me. So I would say don't have an age bias. Just look for people who have experience that you don't yet have Mm -hmm. and ask them questions and spend time with them and learn from them and then share your experiences that you have that maybe they don't have with them. Again, it's it's like it's got to be a two-way relationship where you're giving to each other. So that's been one of the most helpful things for me in my career is just really leaning into mentors. Sometimes it was people who are higher up at the company than I was, but I developed a relationship with them and I could learn a lot from them. And sometimes it's outside people who aren't necessarily at the company that I'm at, but I see their experience and I can ask them questions and say, Hey, I'm dealing with this. What would you do? You know, like, so have those people in your life that you can get candid with. Mm-hmm. about let's just call it interesting work situations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I like to call it the the personal board of directors. So the people in your life that whether it's formal mentorship or informal, a coach, your peers, even individuals that you can actually just talk through things cuz I you probably can attest to this, right? Like the higher up the chain you get, you know, they say, you know, the person at the top, like it's lonely at the top. I think that that's Mm -hmm. the saying. Um, It does start to get lonely and it does start and you will start to feel like, oh my gosh, who do I talk to through these tough situations? And so ensuring that you have individuals in your life formally or informally that you can go to, that you can run these things by. So thank you so much for sharing that. So a couple of real quick things, rapid fire. As you think about books that have been instrumental or a book in particular that either you're reading now or that you've read in the past that you would recommend to a woman in leadership, anything come to mind? Yes. So one of them that I'm going to mention, this is one of my favorite books that really made me start to think differently about products and marketing and being different and innovating is Seth Godin's Purple Cow. So I love that one from the perspective of like getting you outside of your head, thinking differently. I'm reading one right now called Atomic Habits that is good. I haven't finished it because sometimes I need to focus more on my reading, Sabine. (laughs) (laughs) I like to read. I like to learn. And then sometimes I'm at the end of like a long, long day and I'm like, I just need to nudge out and go to sleep. I like I don't even want to watch TV anymore. I just want to sleep. So reading sometimes is not getting as much attention as it should, but Atomic Habits, so far, so good. And then there's one other book that I really like, and I hope if you need to bleep me out, you can bleep me out, but it is uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I love that book. I thought it was great. It said a lot of what I kind of thought it would say, but maybe it was reaffirming for me and gave me a confidence boost to be like, yeah, it's okay to kind of just do you. Yeah, I've I've seen that book, Atomic Habits. I've heard really great things about that as well, as well as uh, Purple Cow. So we will definitely link that in the show notes below. 
So thank you for those recommendations. Now, as far as people being able to connect with you, like where, where can they find you? Where do you hang out the most? Well, I hang out the most on LinkedIn. So go find me on LinkedIn, Taylor Shanklin. If you want to go to my personal website, it is tshank.com. You can go find me. I'm starting to blog there again a little bit lately or trying to. It's more of my motivational, personal stuff. Parting words of advice for the audience. Just breathe. I know that that's simple. But sometimes we forget to do it because if you're if you're so strung out because you feel like oh, I have to get this done, I have to get that done, I have to get that done, like you're going to end up kind of just hating yourself and hating your life. And that doesn't make any of it worth it, you know, and that's going to break down your personal relationships and your work relationships, if, you know, if it goes on too long. So it really is important to pause and to breathe and to do you a little bit and to make sure you're in a good headspace in order to move the ball forward on anything that you're working on. Love that. Parting words. Breathe. <laughs> breathe. It's like, seems basic, yet we often don't do it. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right. So thank you so much, Taylor, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your journey. The books that Taylor has recommended, as well as the links for you to connect with her on on LinkedIn. I would also say Instagram because she uh, shares pictures of her and her family skiing on there. We will include that in the show notes below. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode. Please feel free to leave a review or a rating if the show was helpful to you. And we will be back next week. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She Leads Now. Be sure to join us next week for another transformative discussion to help you grow, develop, and embody the courageous leader you've always been. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get alerts when new episodes drop and join us for our next Leaders Lounge meetup on Zoom. Details and dates for future sessions are included in the show notes below. So take a look there or head over to sabinegideon.com forward slash lounge to register and hold your spot for the next session. Again, that's sabinegideon.com forward slash lounge to grab your spot. Excited to connect with you all inside the lounge. Talk to you soon.